was. My name is Jared, and this is the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast. This episode is all about the fam family. What the happened? When and why did the family unit, this tight-knit, blood is thicker than water, we got each other's backs, family unit turn into a bunch of people who live together and spend most of their time in a room by themselves watching some kind of screen? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Jared, the Jared Show. The family unit has been broken up into pieces, where each of us is assigned a room with our own little screen, our own channels and shows, our own commercials and products. The quintessential family unit has been systematically broken down and sectioned off into what's called demographics. And how did we get like this? I think it's television. I think it's art. I think it's life imitating art. In this episode, we're going to get a look at how the two generations that have been raised on television have fared, and what we as a society have come to. Family? Try again. More like roommates that share the same last name. Stick around as we go through the timeline of how the fam has been broken down piece by piece over the last 50 years. Ah, hello, ladies and lasses. This here's your pal, Connie O'Brien. I got to tell you about the show, The Jared Show. That fella, he'll drop some knowledge on you, if you go in for that sort of thing. And I do. I never miss a show. Every Sunday and Tuesday at 10 p.m. At 7 p.m. for you on the West Coast. So take it from your pal, Connor O'Brien. Listen to the show, The Jared Show. Or you'll be sorry. And welcome back. Let's jump right into it, shall we? Uh, You know, some of this division between our families, and and we're going to get into what I'm talking about by that here in just a little bit, but I think this division of the entire family as a whole, right, the little core group, the mom and the dad, the kids, um, and then extended family, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and, and grandparents, and then even extended, you know, all their peoples and all that stuff. I think that division between the core group and the bigger, larger group has kind of happened more naturally. And, you know, life used to be, um, you know, even if you go all the way back into ancient times, what we call ancient times, uh, you know, around the, uh, the first turn of the millennia, like basically around zero, the year zero, if we went back to you know, around there, um, you know, Jewish cust- customs, cultures, those kind of things, Roman, uh, it, it's kind of the same as what we saw back in, you know, say the 1800s, really, and, and it has been for thousands of years, um, that a family unit was really a unit, and, you know, I know, for instance, back in Jewish culture, the way that they would do things is they would get married, and then they would have, um, they'd have the wedding, the whole deal. They'd have this, you know, the 
becoming each other's husband and wife moment, honeymoon kind of thing. Um, and then that they would build a wing onto the house or near the res- residence so that that new family would live near the family, right? And in, in more modern times, we can look at it as the family ranch, right? Um, you would, uh, maybe your family would own, let's say, I don't know, 100 acres, um, and you'd have three or four brothers or whatever, and so you would get married, and then you'd get, you know, 20 acres or 25 acres, whatever it is. And that's what you would live on. And then you'd have your family and then, you know, and such so forth, you know, such and so forth. So really that idea of an extended family, right? Having all your cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and everybody in one place really started to die out. Um, That community of people, which were really groups of families, um, where you settled on the, the ranch or settled some land. Um, you know, back in the day when everybody traveled west, you had these, you know, uh, wagon uh, groups that would all go, go west. This idea has kind of died out, really. Um, it's still around a little bit, but not as much as it used to be, you know, hundreds of years ago. And what's interesting is we, we actually kind of needed that diversity. Um, We needed people to get out of their comfort zone, go to other places. We needed that for um, the human race so that we would have diversity, we'd have different cultures, we could understand one another a little bit better, Um, we wouldn't be so closed-minded. Like We needed a little bit of diversity and people traveling and starting families in different places and all these kind of things. What's interesting is what we had before that is is what what generally you would do is you would take over the family business. So if I grew up, my dad now actually is a carpenter, I would learn the trade of being a carpenter. Um, you know, even if you go all the way back in in ancient times, a lot of times we know people by their their name, and then you'll get like the city, right, or the thing that they do, like. For instance, John the Baptist or Jesus of Nazareth, right? These people were known by name, but eventually, as this came along, you would be known by the thing that you did. So John Carpenter, he was a carpenter, right? The whole family was carpenters, and so you would learn that business trade. And over time, as cities grew and people and things grew and, and the population grew, you would have people that moved away from their own city. So now, you know, uh, John Carpenter's son, Timmy, Timmy Carpenter, he doesn't want to be a carpenter, he wants to be a blacksmith, right? And that's where smiths and carpenters, I'm not exactly where Shirt Jones came from, but um, that's where you would get all of these names, these last names and these ideas, right? So eventually these people moved to other cities, they did other things, and, and the more that that happened, the more that this ex- extended family unit grew quite smaller, right? And so now you didn't have um, the grandparents in the same city. And, and I can tell you right now, my family is all over the place. Um, I know people that have family all over the world, in different parts of the world, in Israel and, and different places. Um, our extended families gr- shrunk down to just core groups. And that core group is really mom, dad, and the kids. 
Um, now the grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins are all spread out. Uh, and this somewhat happened naturally. The core family unit is what we're talking about here. And that core family unit, I think, has been under attack. Now, personally, I think it's a higher force that's causing this division to the extent that we've gotten to now. But instead of going all the way up to who or what runs things, let's just stop at, let's say, ad agencies and corporations trying to sell us products. That's the easiest way to understand this is really for the love of money, right? Um, we'll look at this systematic separation in the light of demographics and try not to get too deep here. The reason the core family unit came under attack was to get us separated, right? So each of us has our own little screen and our own little messages and our own shows or commercials. Now, demographics are categories or groups of people. It's how ad agencies have broken down the population in order to more effectively sell products. The main groups or demographics are age, gender, ethnicity. Now, some people call that a race, but uh, you have occupation or how much money you make, um, where you live, and the demographics get deep, and I mean really deep, like likes, dislikes, what you're searching for, what you're trying to go do, um, your favorite, you know, everything. And so pretty much every question you've ever filled out on every website in order to sign up, um, we've really be been led to believe that all of this information, like telling, you know, Google when your birth date is, is really for security, but it's not, it's for data. It's so that they can understand more de the, the ideas of demographics, of what demographic you fit into, right? And what's interesting is over time, the more information that they've accumulated about each individual person, um, that data has become a commodity all, of it, all to its own. And now it's sold to the highest bidder. And I tell you what, nobody does it better than Google and Facebook. That's how a search engine and a social media connection site grew to be two of the biggest corporations in the world because of data, right? So everything that you do, and like, used to be MySpace, right? But then it got into Facebook. So everything that you say on Facebook, I like sailing, right? So now you're in the demographic of somebody that likes sailing. And so they take that, that data and they sell that to a company that's trying to sell you a product having to do with sailing, right? And that's how all of these people have made their money. It wasn't because somebody signed up to a free website and they needed security to say, well, your birthday is this, right? Every single thing that you've ever said on MySpace, Facebook, Instagram, all of these social media sites, all you you're doing is you're telling other people what you like but you're really telling the corporation that owns that particular website what demographic you fit into and then they turn around and take that that information and sell it to the people that need that information that need to know what demographic you fit into and so you know the the, the biggest question here obviously i mean corporations take all the information but but what does demographics have to do with families, okay? And the, answer, the easy answer to that question is everything. Each family has three key demographics. That of the dad, the mom, and the kids. When we get back, we'll see how these demographics 
ad agencies and corporations created wedges that eventually divided the family unit into roommates with the same last name. We'll be right back. Super Mario Bro, have you heard about this new website, huh? You gotta say this. This guy went and put all his podcasts in the same place, bro. Bro, what? Bro, are you serious? Bro, both podcasts in the same place. This guy is fucking bananas. And bro, it gets even crazier. You can go buy a fucking t-shirt. Bro, this guy is blowing my mind. I went to thejaredshow.com. Listen to some episodes, bought a t-shirt, and bro, I think I'm going to do it again, huh? It's bonkers. Thejaredshow.com. It's about to go off. And by off, I mean on. Oh, it's on, bro. It's on. Welcome back to the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast. Wow. I am dropping some serious knowledge in this one. And it's about to get just a bit deeper before we come back up for air. So let's keep diving down in. Uh, it used to be the only way into the house for advertisers, okay, was the radio. So when we, I think most people, when you think of the term advertising, you think in terms of like a billboard, right, or a magazine, or a commercial on a television, right? But before, um, radio was actually in the home there was no advertising in a household right so an ad agency or a corporation could not get to you directly until you were outside of your house and you saw a billboard or a magazine and i mean newspapers let's say maybe right but newspapers weren't as exciting kids didn't generally didn't read newspapers really newspapers were reserved for men Right? And, you know, sometimes women. Eventually, that demographic went up, women demographic. And so they got better at what they were trying to do. And eventually, we got into radio. And so radio got every demographic, all three of those demographics within the family unit. So all of a sudden, kids were listening, moms listening, dads, everybody's listening, right? But it was not as captivating as television, okay? So television comes along, it's more visual, it's more colorful, eventually, right? Um, It's more engaging, and the the commercials are more, uh, almost more engaging. I mean, back in the day, I don't know if you've ever listened to radio commercials, but they were pretty engaging. But basically, what we used to have is we used to have every, every household had one TV, okay? So at, at first, we had one radio, right? And then eventually everybody started having one TV. Everybody got a TV and that was a big deal. And then eventually that TV went to color and that was just blew people's minds. But this one TV, right, would shut off every night at midnight. They'd have a, a uh, call sign and they'd tell you, you know, thanks for watching today, you know, da, da, da. And it would, the, the network would actually shut the TV off completely. There was no TV after midnight. I think it started back up at like 6 in the morning or something. Until then, there was nothing but static, right? There was no VCRs. There was no DVRs. There was no internet. There was nothing, right? So after midnight, it was done. That was it, right? So how did we get to that 
from that to a TV in every room, and then eventually a device in everybody's hand, right? And we're gonna, I'm gonna be throwing down some, some amazing stats here um, in this one. I, I really want you to stick around and check this out. So how we did that is really demographics, okay? So the, the categorization, the grouping of each of these people, okay? Now, the demographics dictated the shows, all right? So now each show is geared towards a specific demographic. Enter cartoons, right? You had cartoons for kids. You had sports for dad. Dad wants to sit down and watch the game, right? You had drama for your mama in the uh, ideas of, or the shows of uh, soap operas and daytime talk shows. And then later on, you know, it's easy to see now if you think about it, but later on, there's nighttime soap operas, and we just call them dramas now, right? But really, they're soap operas. Like, any drama that you see, like This Is Us, you know, these kind of TV shows are really just daytime soap operas with much better acting, much better, you know, production and budget, you know, and more time to produce something. A daytime soap opera, they have to produce every something every single day, right? whole lot different they have better scripts but they're really the same idea it's still just a bunch of drama right um now kids have things of their own that they want to watch uh and, and it actually became a great babysitter i mean parents said okay cool just go watch cartoons right and people still do that parents still do that and and coincidentally i want to talk about this real quick how is it that we first learned this is a little side note i got a couple of these in this episode it's a little side note. How is it we first learn? Is it by reading? Is that how we learn? Or is it by watching? Right? So a little kid that can't speak, right? How is it that they're learning about the world around them? Right? That's by looking. That's by seeing. That's by observation. It's not by reading. Right? You go to preschool. I mean, kids can't even read till what? Like, what is it? Like 12 or 13 now? No, I'm joking. But, um... You know, kids are learning way before they've learned to read. They have to learn to read, right? So how is it that they're learning? They're learning by watching, right? And we're going to get into some amazing statistics here in the having to deal with uh, the old toddlers and the terrible twos. But uh, let's keep moving here. Is What's interesting here is, is once you have this demographic and everybody's split up, all of a sudden, you know, TVs are becoming cheaper and cheaper. And soon there's a TV in every room, not just one, right? And not only is there a TV in every room, TV goes 24-7 now. It never stops, never sleeps. It's constantly there. Constantly there's television programming going on all day. And it has been for 50 years, probably. I I don't know the, the exact date of that, but it's close. What I want to get into, and I, and I, uh, nodded toward this earlier is that's when life started imitating art is when everybody got a tv in their room right when now little timmy's got a tv the parents have a tv everybody's got a tv right and it really started with the parents because the parents were like we want to watch shows that are a little risque and our kids are not yet young enough you know not yet old enough to watch this kind of stuff we need a tv in our room right or maybe they want to watch other things. We won't get into that. But um, 
all of a sudden the parents have a TV in there and then, you know, all of a sudden the kids, everybody's got a TV, right? And so that's when I think life started imitating art. And the famous quote by Andy Warhol is, does life imitate art? That means, or does art imitate life? I botched that quote up. Does life imitate art or does art imitate life? Now what that means is if I look out the window and I see a tree and I paint that tree, right? That's art imitating life, right? But if I watch a television show and I get an idea to do something, that's life imitating art, right? We're gonna get into that a little bit deeper here in just a minute. Um, let's, let's start here with, first it was the dad, right? And he was the head of the family, right? I mean, for thousands of years, the dad is the head of the family, the mom's second, the kids are underneath, the dad commands respect, he's the authority, whatever he says goes, the mom is the nurturing and the kind one, right? She's there to teach and to be kind and heal, right? For thousands of years, it was like this, thousands of years, right? And then in the last 50 years, that's changed drastically, don't you think? Why is that? So, again, like I was saying, first you have to go after the dad. You have to go after the head of the family. You cut the head off and the body will follow. So we went from Mike Brady of the Brady Bunch to Homer Simpson of the Simpsons. We went from Howard Cunningham of Happy Days to Al Bundy of Married with Children. Around the late 80s, early 90s, more comedians started getting their own sitcoms. Think Bill Cosby, Tim Allen, Ray Romano, Martin Lawrence, Roseanne. I mean, she was much more like the dad than in the family anyway, right? Uh, Bob Saget, Ed O'Neill, Craig T. Nelson. And The Simpsons, which started in 1989, by the way, with Homer Simpson. And this started a dynamic that is still with us today. And it's called Dad is the Dumbass, right? The dad is the funny one. Mom is the straight one that the dad plays jokes off of, right? And the kids prank her and all this. So she's the the straight guy in in this whole thing. And unfortunately, because dad's the funny one, he's no longer in charge. He can't be trusted. He's not serious enough to take on what's going on around him. And because of that, now everybody looks to mom, right? So it used to be the dad was in charge now the mom's in charge so dad is no longer in charge because he's the funny one um the one you go to to pick you up to make you feel better to to laugh with right now mom is the one that solves all the problems and makes all the decisions right she's the one that really runs the house i mean just look at the television show roseanne as a great example and and many you know grace under fire there's many other examples i think reba I don't know when that came out, but that's a great example. Um, You know, these TV shows where all of a sudden it's strong women and they're the matriarch and they're the ones that are, you know, taking care of everything and these kind of things. Um, and, And so now we've come back to the Andy Warhol quote. Is life imitating art? You know? Because, yeah, I think I think at a certain point art was imitating life. You know, we wanted to identify. And really, as you watch each individual show, it's meant so that you can identify with a character, right? That's really what they're trying to get to. Is they're, The producers, the creators, the writers 
are trying to get you to identify with a particular character. Now, if you look back, it's, it's interesting. If you look back on the shows you used to watch, you can see, okay, well, why did I watch this particular show, right? Why did I watch Steve Urkel and not, you know, um, Step by Step? You know, why did I watch these shows? Um, and that says a, a little bit, you know, and we, we're not trying to get into you know, pop psychology here, but um, what we're trying to, to ascertain here is that, yes, okay, at a certain point, art was imitating life okay but but i think and we're going to get into the why i think this that life started imitating art especially once everybody's got a tv in their room and the whole deal um yeah i mean the question is is it television that reflected life or is it life that reflected television um we'll get into that when we get back uh, we'll also get into what this division has done for each individual now that we have been separating compartmentalized and uh, we'll be right back after this quote unquote commercial thank you so much for listening just a quick message to say thank you and if you'd like to see more check out the jared show instagram page every thursday is something i like to call throwback thursday where i post a picture of me from back in the day and give you a little story to go with it there's also posts throughout the week of current events and things i'm doing in life it's a nice mix of interesting videos, pictures, and stories. There's a link in the description. Welcome back to the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast. What up, though? Let's wrap this thing up and put a pretty bow on it, because it's my present from me to you. So, as Andy Warhol said, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? I know I've said this a million times, but I really want you to think about this for a second. Okay, so are we getting the ideas about how we're supposed to live from TV or are these producers and all these people getting ideas of what life is actually like from life? Right? So are they telling us how to live or are we telling them how to create and the things that we really want to see? Um... I think the best way to understand this is I think it depends on how much you're subjected to that art. And we're going to get into some really amazing stats here. Um, first, I want to tell you a little bit of a story, um, a little personal story from me of my first day of high school in my first class. And it was Mr. Barber. Mr. Barber uh, was our homeroom teacher. He was also the first class, and he was history teacher. Um, and I remember the first day. This is the first day of high school, ninth grade. Okay, I remember this like it was yesterday, right? And the the Mr. Barber goes up. He writes on the board the word repetition, and he turns around and he says, "How do we learn?" And this is like the first words he said to these high schoolers on their first day and he says how do we learn and then he points back and he says repetition and he lets that sink in sink in for a minute right and then he says it again he says how do we learn and nobody says anything right everybody's like uh didn't you just say this and he says repetition right and so my question is now i'm gonna ask you how do we learn did you say repetition out loud? Did you say it? I heard you. I heard you say it. 
I've said it many times. How do we learn? Repetition. How do we, right? And it's the same thing over and over and you get it, right? That was my first day of high school. Now, like I said, it depends on how much you're subjected to the art. If the art is now influencing you, right? And here's the thing. That's why we see the same commercials over and over and over and oh how do we learn over and over how do we learn over and over that's why we see that right now what what i just did right there right being repetitious and saying it over is really annoying i get it right but that's what we think of when we see a commercial oh that's really annoying i've seen this 50 million times why is that why do people do this why because that's how we learn that's how an advertiser an advertiser it doesn't do them any good for you to see an ad once you don't really care right they need you to see that ad at least three to five times before you're gonna do something about it eventually after you've seen it 10 or 15 times chances are you're at least gonna think about it by the time that you've seen 20 25 times you've absorbed that into who you are the way that you think what's going on with you right that's why drug commercials I hate drug commercials because really, all they're doing is baiting you into having to use that commercial. Um, one of my favorite uh, comedians talking about drug commercials would be Chris Rock. Hilarious. You know, he said every drug commercial starts off with, Have you gone to sleep? Have you woken up today? Like, you know, the most simple, basic stuff they can come up with. Oh, well, you need this drug, right? It's like, it's horrible. They're, they're horrible. Drug commercials, drug companies, horrible, horrible, horrible. But... Let's let's get into some statistics today, Junior. Right? Um, this these statistics when I was looking this stuff up um, really kind of blew my wick, man. I mean, seriously. Um, are you ready for this? Buckle your seatbelt, uh, as it says in the Matrix. Buckle your seatbelt because Kansas is going bye bye. Right? I think I butchered that, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, so how much TV do you watch a day? Check this out. You ready? How much, how much TV do you watch a day? Right? On average, the, um, uh, the average American adult watches five hours and four minutes of live TV. Okay, so TV that's actually going on right now. That's actually TV that air is airing at that particular time. There's actually 30 more minutes of DVR. So I DVR to show and I'm going to watch that show after I've got done watching my five hours and four minutes of television. Now, this is per day. Okay, so that means that there are 35 hours a week that the average American adult watches. Okay, and you're like, eh, well, you know, I kind of get it. It's not that bad. Right? Let's let's get even deeper. How about kids? Kids, now check this out, okay? We were talking about toddlers earlier. We were talking about little, how do we learn, you know, kids that can't read and these kind of things. So kids ages two to five spend 32 hours a week watching TV. Kids six to 11 spend 28 hours watching TV a week, okay? So you have adults watching 35 hours. You have kids two to five, basically toddlers, Watching 32 hours, you have young kids, children, 6 to 11, watching 28 hours. 71% of kids 8 to 18 
have a TV in their room. I'm gonna go ahead and admit this. I got a TV in this room right here. Not only do I have a TV, I have this laptop and I have my phone. I have three screens that I can watch at any given time. Crazy, right? And it's just, it's a normal thing, right? 71%, that's pretty normal, right? In two thirds of households, the TV is usually on during meals. Crazy, right? So even though maybe we're having family dinner, we ain't paying attention, right? We ain't talking to each other. Now, here, how, what is what does all this mean, right? What all what all these stats mean, and how have they affected us? I think life has started to imitate art, and I think it did. I think it started once everybody had a television. I mean, you know, think late '70s, maybe early '80s. Um, think about it this way, okay? Check this out. Depending on how old you are, ask your parents if their parents, their dad specifically, ask your mom and your dad, depending on how old you are, right? Hopefully, let's let's say your mom and dad are a baby boomer, right? So let's, and that's, you know, born in like 50s, 60s, okay? So we're talking about the parents of the baby boomers, all right? you know even really you know however old you are i want you to do this experiment i want you to go go ask your parents if their dad is funny okay and we're gonna get it we're gonna get deep into this one right like i said we're dropping i'm dropping bombs of knowledge right b-o-m-b's of knowledge right here okay so go ask your parents if their if their dad was funny so most of the time right baby boomers dads were not the funny one at all not even close to funny right most baby boomers looked at their dad as just the muscle right um now chances are if if you don't have a baby boomer as a mom or dad chances are your parents will say my dad became funny the older he got and the more da 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 and really what happened is the more television shows you watch the funnier you got right and we'll get into that in just a second but you know usually dad wasn't always known as the funny one and this is where things get into um a whole different drop in knowledge here right so dad was the rock right dad was the serious one the one that worked his ass off paid bills and did what had to be done he didn't have time to be the funny one right as the saying goes it's all about the money and a damn thing funny it was generally the kids that were really the funny ones so you know whole shows got built around funny kids or talented kids think about happy days or good times or different strokes or the facts of life or brady bunch or beverly hillbillies partridge family Case in point, Dennis the Menace. Okay? Just looking at the names of these shows actually brings me to my final point here. What life imitating art has really done for our society is it's made it colder and meaner. I mean, you know, really, just think about just think about the titles of the shows that I just named. Now let's compare them with the, the titles of the shows that are now, 
okay? These are the names of shows that are on television right now, all right? I'm going to let some of these sink in. So now we have shows called Evil. That's the name of the show. It's called Evil. American Horror Story. Lucifer. These are these are the titles of a show. American Horror Story. Lucifer is the name of a show. Pretty Little Liars. Lie to Me. The number one show right now, guess what it's called? Cursed. Cursed. That's the number one show. The number two show, the name of it, Dark. See a theme here? Any themes going on through here, right? Another show, Stranger Things. Doom Patrol. Sons of Anarchy. The Sinner. That's the name of a show. It's called The Sinner. The one that tops them all, Lost. Right? That's the name of a show. It's actually over now. And I can't tell you how many people I've I've had try to get me to watch the show. And chances are I probably will watch it. It sounds like it was amazing and all. But just the name of the uh, name alone kind of turned me off. I'm like, Lost? Do I really want to watch Lost? People? I don't get it. You know, these names, let's, those are crazy, right? But compare them to the other names before them, right? So you go from Dark and Evil and Lucifer and American Horror Story and Pretty Little Liars and Cursed, Stranger Things, Doom Patrol, Sons of Anarchy. You go from, from these other ones to this, okay? This is what shows used to be named. Happy Days. That was the name of the show. Happy Days. Here's another one. The Love Boat. Love is in the title. Good Times. That was the name of the show. Good Times. Hey, man, we got Happy Days and Good Times. Guess those are gone, right? Father Knows Best. Mic drop. I can't drop my mic because it's sitting on these books, but mic drop. I mean, Father Knows Best. That was the name of a show. So was Family Affair. All in the family. My three sons and the Adams family. Right? Now, you know, admittedly, the Adams family, that was just really weird. And uh, that show was really just there to push the envelope. So were the Munsters. I always liked the Munsters better than Adams Family. Adams Family is just weird, just to be weird. It's stupid. But, um, you know, it's easy to see we as a society have grown colder, darker, meaner. I don't think it's television that's followed suit. I think it's because we are interacting with television far more than anything else. I mean, think about it. 35 hours a week. That's a full-time job. You know, they say it takes 10,000 hours to ma- This, These are mind-blowing numbers. I want you to crunch these numbers in your head. Write them down if you have to, okay? They say it takes 10,000 hours to master something, all right? If adults and most kids are watching 30 to 35 hours of television a week, I went with 30, it's 1,680 hours a year, okay? Now remember, kids 2 to 5 are watching 32 hours a week of television, right? So, in this scenario, it would take just under 6 years, and this isn't a scenario, this is real life, right? It would take just under 6 years to master whatever it is that we're learning from the consumption of so much television. 
People have been watching The Simpsons for how long? What do you think The Simpsons has taught us? That Homer's a dumbass? Every dad's a dumbass? I don't know, something like that? What about when we factor in the age of 2 to 18? Check this out, on average. They're consuming 30 hours of television a week. That's a staggering. Within your childhood, if you are consuming consuming 30 hours of television a week, you are consuming within your childhood from 2 to 18, you are consuming 26,880 hours of TV. Now tell me something. You think that amount of consumption or that amount of TV programming might just affect how we view the world? You think so? Maybe, huh? Maybe. You know, in this episode we have seen television and how it has changed our society and systematically separated our families in order to compartmentalize each individual. The old divide and conquer. We have seen the statistics on how much TV the average person consumes per day, per week, per year, and per childhood. We have touched upon this and how this has affected our society. And, you know, I want to get deeper into that. You know, in the next episode, we'll get a bit deeper into how we as individuals have been affected. I just didn't have time enough in this one. I could talk about this for hours. To me, it is mind-blowing. And having, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I'm the same, and I'm trying to wrap this up, but I did want to tell you this, is I'm the same as everybody else. I watched all that. I cannot tell you how many whole series of TV shows I have watched. I mean, I could rattle off, you know, probably 20 right now, 50. If I, I mean, a ridiculous number. So I'm not saying that I'm a whole lot different than anybody. I'm just saying... I've thought about it. I said, well, hold on a second. Why am I doing this? Right? Why not do something worthwhile? Why not speak to you guys on a podcast? You know, this takes up a lot more of my time nowadays, um, which I'm grateful for, you know. Um, and, and what I want to talk about is how has it affected individuals? You know, I know how it's affected me. How has it affected each individual? And really, how these individuals come back into society. You know, if the strength in numbers protection, right, strength in numbers, that protection of the family unit has been broken down, why? And how have people changed because of it? I mean, we can see that our society is just ever so slightly darker. I mean, to me, it's really much darker. I mean, we got shows on TV, Lucifer and Cursed and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I tell you what, check out episode number 10. It's called We the People. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to leave a comment about this video on YouTube. Or if you would like to get in touch with me, you can email me at the Jared Show Knowledge Podcast at gmail.com. If you didn't catch that, the link is in the description along with many others. Uh, please do. You know, if you have questions, comments, you think I'm completely wrong, I'm a nut job, I'm crazy, you think I'm really right, and, uh, you know, if, if you like this podcast and, and you enjoyed this, and you know, pass it around to people, you know, get people talking about this subject, you know, 
Um, and I thank you so much for listening and watching. And as always, may God bless you. The J- 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 Jared. The Jared Show. <laughs>